Veal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, guys? We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! Thank you for joining us today. This is the Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. I'm Matt Vizana, and as always, my brother Noel. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, uh, thanks for sticking with us through last week. If you still remain as a listener, hopefully you do. But uh, I don't think it caused too much of a problem, do you, Noel? Oh, it was a blast. <laughs> For me, anyway, what it, what difference did it make to me? You're the one dealing with it. <laughs> but, uh, well, how was, speaking of which, how was your week off from the podcast? It kind of sucked, to be honest with you. I was getting used to it. I was getting in a rhythm. You know, I mean, it's hard. You got to continue to go out there and take shots. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it is. And, you know, you get you get a little cold, and it's kind of just that COVID thing. It just, uh, it affects, if it affects us all. For better or worse. So I was sitting here, you know, waiting, hoping everybody was okay and getting ready to jump back on, kick some ass. Well, after that little speech, it does sound like you're coming cold off the bench, but, uh, you know, hopefully we, hopefully you pick <laughs> things up a little bit here. Anyway, real quick, we have an Instagram page, Beltway underscore sports, underscore bros, underscore podcasts, and we're also on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod. And we also have a Facebook group, so search groups and type in our name, and we'd love to have you. One last thing, please subscribe or follow, depending on what podcast app you use. It's 100% free. All subscribing does is download the newest episode automatically, so you don't have to search for it. Easy as that, right? All right, so um, first thing I wanted to start with, and the the hits just keep on coming, right? We have some really sad news to share. If there hasn't been enough lately, Joe Bugle passed away on Sunday at 80 years old. Bugle was the famed Redskins offensive line coach and the architect of the Hogs from 1981 to 1989 and then returned to the team when Joe Gibbs had his second stint from 2004 and actually stayed an extra year till 2009. So rest in peace, Mr. Bugle. Very sad to hear that. And um, I, I know personally I was a huge fan. I always loved the guy on interviews, always seemed like a really stand-up guy and really appreciate his contribution to the team. Yeah, I, I always really liked him. I mean, that, it's weird to say, but the offensive line was the face of the franchise for an extended period of time, and he was the captain of that. It sucks that it's kind of the end of an era of that Hogs period with him passing away. And he, he was he kind of seemed like that guy that you would go, want to go out and drink a beer with. He just seemed like a regular guy, that uh, little crazy streak in him too, which was good. And, and the players absolutely loved playing for him. Absolutely loved playing for him, so... R.I.P. Yeah, I mean, even today's players, I mean, he was old then, and he yeah. still seemed to get in with them. And they still seemed to like him. And, you know, even our buddy Trent Williams was like his all-time favorite, you know. So, right. it was, but yeah, R.I.P. Mr. Bugle. But um, moving on, we are going to come back to the Redskins to discuss little Dwayne Haskins a little, little bit later in the show. But uh, there is some Wizards news. Wiz. Wiz. So... Uh, but I, you know, I wanted to say I've gotten some feedback by a few listeners that we talk about the Wizards a tad too much. So, <laughs> but you know, hey, I love talking about the Wizards. What are you going to do? But hey, that you can fast forward if you want, right? 
Exactly. You got fingers. Use them. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to give you a little – I wanted to preface this that, you know, the Redskins will be later, so don't be that concerned. So the NBA released their schedule on Friday. I believe it was Friday, right? Um, in case you aren't aware or really could care less, the Wizards are going to play eight games in hopes of taking over Brooklyn or Orlando for the AC in the East. Quickly, the Wiz are going to start on July 31st against Phoenix and ending with Boston on August 13th. In a related story, which, yeah, we were off last week, this unfortunate news came out that Davis Bertans decided not to play the remaining games on the schedule. And, you know, as a footnote, the team is signing guard Jerry and Grant, who played for the Wizards G League affiliate, the Capital City Go-Go this season, to replace Bertans' roster spot. Hey, Noel, after going over the schedule and with Bertans sitting out, have your thoughts changed at all regarding the Wizards' chances? Um, I know I'm a little rusty and all, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> the only positive of the schedule that I'm looking at is that they play Phoenix and the Nets first. Yeah. At least they get Phoenix first. That's really huge. That's probably the game that they can win. I doubt it. Everybody's getting their feet wet, and they can maybe pull that one out. And as well as Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn has some injuries. Brooklyn's reeling, and that's a must-win for them. So potentially, if they can go one and two in those first two games, that's probably where you're going to get the win. If they go one and one in those first two games, the win. <laughs> yeah, the win. So I'm looking down the schedule, and you know, they like we said before, the West has more teams. They had to throw some West teams in there. Um, unfortunately, even making the schedule even worse for them than it already was going to be. So, because even shit, some of the non-playoff teams are better than some of the playoff teams in the East. But at least they got Phoenix opening. Probably the shittiest game of the day on July 31st of all the games being played. But hey, at least they got a shitty team with them. So I'm happy with that. As far as the Bertans thing, you know, I'm a huge fan of the guy. I really am. I've liked him since day one. Since day one. I'm not happy about this. I don't think he made the right choice. I understand the circumstances. And there's guys bowing out left and right. But you're good to go. The season's there. Okay, you're not going to get paid for it. Fine, you're willing to do it. I understand you're going to be a free agent and you want to save yourself. But if this is the team you're planning on being with, what the hell difference does it make? The Wizards are going to pay you, man. Okay? If you play eight games, the Wiz are going to pay you. They want to have you here. Okay? Now, if you don't want to be with the Wizards, I don't blame them at all for sitting out. And that's the concern that I have. If you are guaranteed you're saying, lock me in, I am going to be here long term, then fuck it. Play the eight games, dude. They're going to max you out as much as you want. They're not going to max him, give him the max deal, but they're going to pay him what he wants and what he deserves. And that's the problem I have, and that's the real concern. Should he play? Yes. If he doesn't want to be here, no. When talking about Bretons, I mean, if I was in his shoes, I'd, I know you're disappointed, but I would do the exact same thing. It's eight games. You have no chance here. It's a snowball's chance. You have a chance, but you don't have a chance. Um, I mean, you can't really blame him too much on this. It's too much of a risk. Think about these guys haven't played in four or five months, whatever it's been. There's a much higher risk of injury for everybody involved. Yeah. This guy's torn his ACL twice over his career. You know, I just think that if you don't play in a consistent basis, I think the percentages are going to go higher for injury. The way you got to look at it is this. He's going to lose $520,000 for not playing these right. eight games. If he gets injured, he's in line to lose. 15 million for one year roughly 12 15 18 who the hell knows what the guy's gonna get paid somewhere right. somewhere in that range I hate it obviously I absolutely hate it I wish he was playing from a fan's perspective but you got to understand why this guy's not playing 
Sure, absolutely. That That is an absolute good point. But if you're with the team, you're with the team. And this is part of the schedule. If the Wizards were out of it, let's say, for example, with eight games remaining in the regular season, if this had never happened, was he going to sit out the remaining eight games of the season? Maybe. I don't know that. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. If they were making a playoff push, for example, okay, they were on a little bit of a roll. And they could have gotten into that eight seed and squeezed their way into the eight spot if, if this shit had never happened. I swear to God, if he didn't play, fuck him. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now in this scenario, yes, there are some valid points that there are guys that are going to be more injury prone, rust, everything else. I get it. I'm up in the air on it. I'm disappointed as a fan. Totally. I really wanted to see it. I've been waiting for fucking months, dude. I'm going stir crazy here. I want to see optimize. I want to see threes bombed all over the place if we're gonna lose i want to lose 150 to 130 i just want to see them just torch it i don't care if they lose every single game and that just really brings them down and they really didn't bring anybody in i mean they brought in grant who's going to be like the third stringer coming off the bench to back up guard probably won't even play it really does it's not a fill-in and i mean beal's playing yeah well but he stands to lose significantly more money than Bertans because he gets paid way more money so it- absolutely you're, you're absolutely right if i were Bertans, I would probably sit out. I'll be honest. <laughs> of course. There's there's absolutely no money in it. Literally, there's no <laughs> money in it for him to do this. Yeah. And uh, but still, I'm really disappointed in it. And um, if he's gonna stay with the Wizards, it does really make a statement. I want to be here, and I'm willing to roll the dice on this to say, hey. I'm invested in you, invest in me. And that's my point. It, it definitely takes the juice out of this. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, if they lose 150 to 130, at least it was an entertaining game. Right. And in this case, I'm still... sit here and watch Beal gun the whole time? I'm ex- yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see basketball again, but I mean, Jesus, it's, you know... Yeah. And, and I think you're completely right. I think this is a bad sign. This is a very bad sign. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be a Bogdanovich type of situation all over again. I think he's going to go to the highest bidder. I don't think that he has any qualms about playing with whoever he needs to play with. I think this is all about money. And, yeah. and, and I mean, it obviously is. But I think that if he was completely committed to this team, because it looks to me, at, you know, like we were talking about with uh, Matt, he seems to really enjoy this team. He seems right. to really enjoy being around these guys. He loves that they gave him this opportunity because, you know, the Spurs didn't. But you can say the same thing about Bogdanovich, right? He came in, they played him a shit ton of minutes. His numbers yeah. went up and he got paid by the Pacers. Right. Right. And I can definitely see this happening. It's, and into that'll be heartbreaking. Absolutely. I mean, the Bogdanovich thing I hated, it really stuck in my craw for a bit. But I told you before in a previous show, these Euros, man, I'm telling you, don't mess around with them. You see it in soccer. You see it in Euro basketball. These guys hop, skip, and jump anywhere. They don't care what jersey they have on. Mm-hmm. They could have little league basketball jerseys and they don't care as long as they get paid i'm telling you man these guys get traded around so much they don't they probably don't even know what town they're in by the time they're playing a basketball game that's how their mentality is they stay loyal at the beginning when they're in the farm leagues because they're forced to they have these contracts that they sign when they're like 10 and they're with them but as soon as they can start having contracts and these trade clauses in every single deal they're going to the highest bidder it's auction time and that's just their mentality with it and and that's what scared me when we talked about this before and this doesn't really help me think that he's going to stay. No. Are we looking into it too much? Maybe. Hey, I'm saving myself, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, they do hold the bird rights for him, so that's one positive yeah. and I think we'll see him in another uniform next year. Let's hope not though. Okay, as promised, we are moving on to the Redskins. All right, Redskins, everyone, uh, let's do let's it. Do Hail. Hail Schmail, as mom Hail <laughs> we, we talk- Mom, that's a shout out to you. <laughs> that's uh, She copyrighted that one. 
Yeah. All right, so um, yet another troubled wide receiver is being discussed when it comes to the Redskins. This this time it's Josh Gordon. Word on the street, if Josh Gordon gets reinstated for the, what, 57th time uh, by the NFL, <laughs> then uh, the Skins are considered the favorite to land him. So Scott Turner, just to catch you guys up, was uh, Gordon's wide receiver coach in Cleveland in 2013, and Gordon had his best year that year, over 1,600 yards. When Gordon was traded to the Patriots midseason, whenever it was, Ian Rappaport actually reported that the Redskins were pushing really, really hard to get him from the Browns, and that was obviously another coaching regime. But with those two included, with Scott Turner and them interested prior, you got to think that there could be something there. But so the Redskins with Dwayne Haskins tends to be the the main subject of discussion for national media and fans, other than the name being changed, of course. Those are the two things. It seems to be Haskins' weight loss and throwing to Antonio Brown and the name change. The subject of Haskins is kind of like being a Democrat or Republican. There's no nobody in the middle. People are so passionately for or against this poor guy. Right. You know, and it's and there's very little in between. There's nobody just like, yeah, we'll see how he does. But Pro Football Focus recently put out an article that Haskins is being set up to fail by the Redskins organization and suggests that they need to sign the biggest free agents on the market. They'll always push for the Redskins to do that as national media because that's what the Redskins do. They signed right. the biggest names. It's it's dead time now, you know. They got come on, skins. We need you now. <laughs> we need you to get completely ripped off. Yeah. So you know they were saying they needed them to sign Antonio Brown, Jason Peters, and Larry Warford to even give him a chance, any chance at all, or he's going to turn into Josh Rosen. Noel, what do you think? Do you think they're putting him in a bad spot, Haskins? I mean, or with this roster, or do you agree with? Pro Football Focus's article that they should consider those three guys or even Josh Gordon. First, I'll start with the Josh Gordon situation. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Honestly, if I were to choose between Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown, I would go Brown. He was top three wide receiver in the entire freaking league. I mean, the guy was unstoppable, at least when he was productive and he got his head out of his ass. Josh Gordon's a freaking head case. He can't stay on the field. He's done. I've never seen a guy that gets so many opportunities as this guy does. It's unreal. It's like this guy's fucking Jerry Rice (laughs) over here. He had two seasons. Two seasons. He's a big wide receiver that can go fast. Good job. I don't know if you can hear the applause in the mic, but what the, what the hell's the enamorment with this dude? I don't know. I don't get it. The guy's a fuck up, all right? The guy's a complete fuck up. This team does not need a guy like him. Absolutely not. And if Rivera brings him in, he's an utter hypocrite, okay? His credibility will go completely and utterly out the window. He ain't Mother Teresa, okay? He's here to win football games and bring in character guys into this team, and that's what he talked about, all right? He's not a charity case, and, and Gordon's gotten plenty of charity. Believe me, he's gotten plenty of opportunities. He's done. Go play in the XFL. Oh, shit, he can't do that either. It's coming back. Anyway, go ahead. But (laughs) going to the other guys. Yeah, no shit. It's a no fucking brainer. They need a left tackle. Good job, PFF. You needed to run run analytics for that. (laughs) Peters is the only man left standing. Yeah, they need a left tackle. No shit. They've got nobody right now. They've got a couple of... They got a no-name and a potential will-be as their two guys. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Do they need a wide receiver? I don't know. They've got a bunch of young guys that he throws to. Would it be good at Gordon at his peak? Absolutely 100% it would be. No shit. But he's not. That was a long time ago. That was many moons ago. Right. But with Scott Turner. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, there's that connection there. The, The Kevin Bacon game. I mean... 
it's ridiculous. And yeah, the guard situation, I don't think compared to you is not as detrimental. If they want to get Walford, for me, it's icing on top. The left tackle spot is more important to me. Oh yeah. And yes, it will help Haskins. And as far as the player situation, the critics and everything else that you were talking about, I'll get back to that and I'll let, let you say your piece. So Josh Gordon, completely agree. Absolutely not. If the Patriots couldn't fix him, then nobody will. I mean, that should be the litmus test right there. Absolutely. You know, if he, if he could not pass yet another drug test on the Patriots, then it's over. Why even have this discussion? I don't give a shit if this guy wants to come back or not. That's great. Good for you. But and considering as well, they're not going to be testing as much for marijuana or if at all. Right. So that might help his case a little bit. And I, I'm not exactly sure. I think most of the time it was weed that he got dinged for. I could be wrong about that. But regardless, I think that's a really good thing for him. But at the same time, the guy has hasn't been productive in like five years. He's had fl- he showed glimpses with New England. He did. But there was a, there was a little stint, a few games where he did show glimpses of. Uh oh, he does like enough to keep you interested, yeah. and then it's like oh. We're dealing with this fucking idiot again. He's a microcosm of the Redskins, I think. Is right. <laughs> so maybe that yeah. maybe that's why he'd be a good fit. But, uh, you know, we've gone over this before. I think signing all three of those guys would be nuts. I mean, Antonio Brown, obviously, we've already talked about him. I don't think it'd be nuts to sign the other two. I, like you said, Larry Warford, I think, would be a huge addition. And then Jason Peters, I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, he's the prototypical one-year stopgap guy that could be such, sure. a, such a massive help to this team. And to Haskins specifically, I just don't feel that a quality QB, and hopefully Haskins is, needs veteran-wide receivers to be successful. I I really don't. I think that a left tackle, absolutely. And obviously a tight end would be nice. That maybe has a little experience or that could produce. But that doesn't look like it's in the cards anytime soon. So, But as far as the wide receivers we have, he has a proven rapport with Terry McLaurin. Kelvin Harmon's serviceable. I mean, he's not great. He's not Antonio Brown, but I think he did an okay job last year, and he's he was a rookie. Right. And I think Steven Sims is going to be a breakout star eventually. He's got pretty much everything you look for in that position. So you also have really good competition behind him. They've put a lot of draft picks. I mean, I know they're not all high draft picks, but Gandy Golden, Trey Quinn. Right. You know, so you've got options there. And then you throw in Antonio Gibson, who is a running back wide receiver whatever the hell he is I don't really see a need to add anybody else it's and it's not like they're all rookies three of them played last year right a lot of time too yeah, it's not like right. they came in and nickel and dimed these guys and they were in the third spot exactly you know in, in the third receiver I mean these guys were playing starters minutes that's worth its weight in gold and looking what McLaurin did I mean I, I don't have the stat in front of me but I think that his numbers from last year were in line with the the top top guys wide receivers that are out there compared to their rookie seasons compared to, to, to their rookie seasons he was right there right below like Randy Moss as far as their competition I mean Moss had an outrageous <laughs> numbers and touchdowns was just blowed off the door but but yeah, I'm in complete agreement with what you're saying as far as the weapons that they have. You have to see what they've got. Yeah, and, and I think that they did a good job with that last year. They, I mean, finally, they played rookies, and it never seemed like Gruden would do that. So thank you, Jay, for that, for fi- you know, on, on your way out. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and also you have to think about the, the running backs. They've got talent everywhere if these guys stay healthy. And I, that's always a big if with the Redskins, don't get me wrong. But with Geis, with Peterson, and then Bryce Love, I mean, that guy was going to be the running back after Saquon 
Saquon Barkley right? if, if he didn't blow his knee out. And, and apparently right. he's fully healthy now, is what they're saying. So you've got a lot of options here. And then, again, Antonio Gibson, who everybody lost their mind over when they when they drafted him. They've been stockpiling young, talented guys for a while. they they got to see what they have. And if you have an idiot like Josh Gordon or Antonio Brown in there, you're just going to stunt their growth. They've been proven to be assholes and don't do things the right way. You don't want somebody like that. And, and like you said, Antonio Brown, I mean, at least he's proven to be a complete monster his entire career he's just psychotic but Josh Gordon why even waste your time no no money in it I think you go with what you got this team isn't going to be major competitors in the league anyway they're not going deep into the playoffs God willing hey maybe they'll make a run for that final spot we'll see what happens that's delusion we're talking about but go with what you got like you said they've got plenty of talent on the wide receiver side if a couple of them crash and burn there's always next season right then you can bring in some guys but give these guys a shot. They've earned the right to see where it goes. And Haskins has earned the right to do it with these guys. And the spots that are going to make any quarterback successful is to have that left huckle spot. I don't give a shit if it's Haskins or whoever, Brady, whoever it is. That's the spot that they have to make sure is concrete and make sure that he has a clean pocket to throw out of. And he's not having his head on a swivel. If they can accomplish that, that's worth its weight in gold. Now, getting to the criticism part that we were talking about with left and right some think he's a bust other think that he can be really good I just don't understand be fucking patient with the kid right he's played seven freaking games man complete games I've never seen in all my life the impatience that you have with the kid this guy has played seven games complete 13 in college and we're talking about bust because what when he first came in and shit the bed and when he threw the four picks he didn't know what planet he was on right (laughs) now just real quick bear with me for just a second matt because i'm going stat here i know this isn't my mo and i'm a loud mouth but i'm gonna go stat here for a second Mm, this is interesting haskins v daniel jones in their first complete seven games I'm going to give you just a quick freaking rundown of this savior of the Giants that made the right choice. It's just going to be a quick transition from Eli to him, and it's going to be painless. This guy's got it all. (laughs) First seven games, right? Average yards per game. Daniel Jones, 237. Haskins, 175. He threw more. He had more attempts. He threw the ball more. Yards per catch, the same. 6.6, 6.6. 6.6, 6.6. Touchdowns, 11 for Jones, 7 for Haskins. Picks, Haskins 3, Jones 7. Attempts per game, 26 to 36, Jones winning that battle. Completion percentage, 61% to 62%. Record, both 2 and 5. Those numbers don't look that different to me. They really don't. And this guy, Jones, had all the support in the world, had a concrete team that he knew what he had to do, had a guy that was his freaking, basically his big brother as his freaking quarterback next to him, the whole Manning family behind him. And this Haskins was like a stepchild to Gruden that he didn't even want. Those numbers are not that different. And for them to continue to do this to this kid as if, well, he's got a lot of work to put in. Daniel Jones has been a starter since he was three years old. Okay? The guy's played more than freaking Joe Montana. The other kids played 20 games, and he virtually has identical stats to Jones. Okay? In their first seven complete games, did Jones have some beast ones? 
Yes, I mean, shit, he had a great game against the Redskins. That's for damn sure. Well, But when you take their first seven games, that's the stats. And the stats don't lie there. And I watched both of these quarterbacks play. And it was there. You could see it from both sides. I think they can both be quality quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you're comparing Jones to Haskins, Jones seemed to have a much better idea of what he was doing out the gate. But I think as the, as it went on, I've never actually seen a guy turn a corner as quickly as Haskins did. It looked like the guy never played football before. And I understand he didn't have the support and he didn't have all that stuff and Gruden didn't want him there. But at the same time, it was just like, holy shit, man, he could not put the ball on anybody those first few games. Right. It was scary. But then he comes back, you know, after Gruden was gone and he seemed to have some support by old Bill there and everything. I mean, he seemed like a completely different guy. He was still having issues, accuracy issues, throwing high here and there and stuff like that. But he definitely was moving in the right direction. It was something that I didn't expect whatsoever. But then it was, um, he looked pretty good. But yeah, you're right. The national media, it's unbelievable how many people, and the fans too, how divisive this guy is. But the majority of the national media, it's kind of a general consensus that this guy's a bust. He's the experiment should end or, or whatever. Like for example, Chris Sims, he puts out that yearly 40 quarterback thing. Haskins is ranked 39th I understand that it's a very small sample size and and I can understand from his perspective why he would rank him there I just to clarify it wasn't what he could do in the future it was about what he expects for next year is what what the expectation is but 39th I don't know but I've just seen film on him how horrible he was in those first few games and how much better he was in those last three games and that's something that you know we should get behind and just I love the work that he's put in the offseason some of the guys that he throws to and stuff is that can be debated but he seems very committed anybody who loses that kind of weight and that's not I know everybody goes back to the weight but I think that's going to be a huge could always get COVID and lose that kind of weight no maybe he did oh that's a that's a nice shot Uh, so I mean, you gotta you gotta say something, be light on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want a you want a quick diet, quick diet, man. That'll that, yeah. that'll do it for you. But uh, put that on the market. <laughs> You want a quick diet? Here's a little COVID for you. Yeah. I was I was surprised his mobility. I mean, at Ohio State, he looked like a statue. Now he's lost his weight, and hopefully that'll help him. I've never been so down on a guy, and but then had it looked like he had so much potential in such a quick period of time. I was surprised, just like you, when I saw that ball. And there was a couple concerns, you know, shot over the middle to McLaurin that goes 10 feet over his head and things like that. Yes. But I was never to the point that I said, holy shit. Oh, This could be really freaking bad. I saw the arm strength. I saw what he did in college. He was making throws out there that Keenum would kill to do, okay? And Keenum, when he came in that game, looked like dog shit. You saw Keenum out there fluttering balls, and then all of a sudden, it was a different offense when Haskins was out there. Even when he was playing badly, I felt like there was something going on. And my point is this, even before Haskins even took the field, there was already declarations by people about next season, what we're going to do. And then when he took the field and wasn't producing right off the bat or wasn't producing in the manner, it was like you said, already a Rosen deal and already talking about the two This shit about drafting quarterbacks in back-to-back years, if somebody has a stat on that, I would like to see it because that shit was unheard of. It happened one time with the Rosen deal, and then you take Kyle Murray, and all of a sudden it's like, gang, but hey, quarterbacks are just like any other player. You take two and let them fight it out. Like, what? (laughs) When did this ever start? 
this guy played seven games and they're already like, sorry, man, yeah. experiment over. Like it was, it's baffling to me. Even Rosen got fucked. You know, the guy, he was in the same scenario. I'm not saying he was as good as Haskins or whatever, but when he was with Arizona, they were the worst offense in the league and had the worst offensive line in the league. That guy was running for his life. He had a short frame of time to have an opportunity to play. He had the opportunity to try it in Miami. Lost out to Fitzpatrick. Everybody seems to lose <laughs> to this fucking guy. Well, he did, he did start the season and he looked he looked horrendous. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. But it's just like this quick trigger now. We're... NFL's such a copycat league that, uh uh-oh, well, somebody did it. Somebody's the trailblazer here being crazy and taking two first-round quarterbacks. Guess it's on the table now. Well, yeah, and that's why people thought that it was a possibility because Rivera took over and is a totally different coaching staff, and and they have no loyalty to Haskins. Coaches coaches change all the time, and they don't jump ship on a quarterback that's played half a season. I mean, they just don't. It's just unheard of. You can look back. And think of a situation where there's quarterbacks that are taken in consecutive drafts by the same team. I'll be on board, but I'm racking my brain over here thinking, okay, now I guess it's a thing that teams can do. Well, I think every situation is different. It's, it, it is unusual for sure, but if you have Aaron Rodgers on your roster, obviously you're not going to draft. I mean, well, that's a bad example because they, they did. did draft somebody. <laughs> that's a, But yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm just saying that new coaching staffs change people and, and they watch the film on Haskins and I guess they feel comfortable and that's but that's also why they brought in Allen and as a possible guy that could start the season potentially because he knows the offense and this shitty COVID mess that's going on so one thing I wanted to say the thing that I like about Haskins is that I love his pocket presence years ahead of, of what you would expect and you watch like compared Kirk Cousins that fucking scumbag you watch him he feels people around him you know what I mean and he's able to step up he, he didn't make all the right decisions but that's an innate ability to do that. And I think that's what really got me going with him because that's never going to go away. You can, you can fix footwork uh, if you're throwing high. You can do things like that. Those are fixable. But when you don't feel somebody coming like Kirk Cousins consistently does, he still doesn't. He, he'll never be able to. And he seems like a gamer, competes his ass off. And I, and I like that. You know, look. How many times have we had fool's gold, though, with, with so many guys, right? This is the Redskins we're talking about, and but you know, hopefully this time it's different, but Uh-oh, who the no, hell knows? He's not even close to fool's gold yet. I'm not bowing down to him just yet. He's got plenty to prove. No, no, no. You know, yeah. As far as that, I just think that it's baffling to me to no shit does he need a left tackle. No shit does he need other pieces. This team isn't a good team. He is a developing guy with a developing team with a brand new coach. This is all stuff like good job. I mean, you get paid to do your job to analyze something like that, that the Redskins are lacking in pieces. No shit. They went three and 13 last year. They got plenty to go to make him successful. The left tackle spot is good. You're right. And that's why I wasn't in the panic. Like you were saying before with the, with the overthrows and things like that. I just felt like he felt comfortable when he was out there, even in the uncomfortable situation. That's what I thought. I thought that he just, instinctually now was it going from his brain to his body at times no but I felt like he was getting it and I felt like he can get it and you have to just allow the process to happen now after a full season of play and he still looks like dog shit whole nother argument 
Yeah. But these people that are on their soapboxes talking about the Redskins need to move on, and it would be a no-brainer for them not to take Tua. And if you're comparing Tua to Haskins, that you have to do this for your football team, I think is absolutely ridiculous, especially when there was Chase Young. They wanted them to take Tua when Chase Young was staring them in the face. (laughs) That's how badly these people feel about Haskins. Yeah. You had a generational defender since, like, Lawrence fucking Taylor so. sitting there in front of you. And they still wanted them to take an injured quarterback, a guy that freaking blew out his freaking hip over Haskins, who had played seven games. Baffling to me. And that's really why I wanted to start this argument and why I wanted to bring this up. Because I'm consistently seeing on a week-to-week basis these articles about, like, oh, yeah, he's working out. Good for him. Like, I'm not sure why <laughs> wasting his time. Good job. You got rid of that baby face, but ain't going to help him on the field. Still got to work on his game. You know, like, give me a break. It just pissed me off. And I thought it was something that we really needed to talk about because I think it's bullshit. Oh, fair enough. Well, I think he's an intelligent guy. I really do. I think that he showed that by how quickly he turned things around in the season. And I don't think it's fool's gold. I don't think that he's, like you said, has shown enough, but I'm just saying that past Redskins players has, have gotten us excited about things, and oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. I'm not willing to put my stamp on him yet, but I do think, <laughs> no, I, I, do, I do think that he is moving in the right direction, and I like what I've seen, and like you said, we got Chase Young out of it, and going for Tua would have been a huge mistake. All right, well, that will do it for this episode. As always, we are on all major podcast platforms, and please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, share it on social media. Really, please, just hit the share button. That's all we ask. It doesn't take any time. You know, you're looking at puppies and God only knows on Instagram and shit. Just, just yeah, like t- on TikTok, like watching some idiot do a freaking choreographed dance. Just freaking t- hit us, yeah, you know? It's literally, you share. It's a share button. So just do us a favor. <laughs> okay, and then again, we're... Uh, Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook group where you can share whatever you want. So thanks for listening. We didn't get to say it. Happy belated Father's Day. And I hope you guys have a great week.